everyone. Welcome back to Reality 2.0. I'm Katherine Druckmann. Doc Searles is joining me today. And we're going to talk about the idea of ownership, but in this case, as it relates to a rather heinous lawsuit targeted at the Internet Archive. And we have a lot of feelings about that, as you can imagine. But before we get into it, I wanted to say a special thank you to our newest Patreon patron named Michael Grossman. Thank you, Michael. And I also wanted to remind everyone to check out our website at reality2cast.com. That is the number two, where you will find all sorts of wonderful things, including links to the things that we're going to talk about today. So this is a topic, you know, we've talked about the idea of ownership before. I think we actually even hinted around at lending content, probably in those conversations. But, but Doc brought up uh, a few articles, which we will link to. And yeah, we have we have feelings. So a group of publishers has <laughs> yeah right. A group of publishers is, is suing the Internet because, Archive. Yeah, because it, I'd I'd love to be expert on the particulars of this thing, uh, um, but it's one of those things where you start reading and then by the end of you think, what did I start with? What is what was that thing? I'm yeah. no authority. I'm no lawyer. Um, but the outrage uh, is there. <laughs> yeah. For me it was. Well, you know, there's. They're the copyright maximalists, which include the publishing industry. And so there's a, a lawsuit leveled against the Internet Archive by Hatchet Book Group, Inc., HarperCollins Publishers, LLC, John Wiley and Sons, and Penguin Random House, those are the plaintiffs, against the Internet Archive. Um, and, and, the, and the Electronic Frontier Foundation has come to its defense. And I think, it, you know, the interesting thing is in the physical world, Ownership is fairly clear. We all have opposable thumbs. We can grab something. And, you know, this is why you can't teach communism to a three-year-old who's saying it's mine. You know, you, the idea of collective ownership doesn't apply. Um, you know, we, we're a grabby species. And when we own something, you, you buy a book, you own it, you have it. And now there are copyright restrictions on what can be done quoting from it and stuff like that. But most people don't most people's understanding of a book, uh, especially one that's owned by a library, is that you can borrow it. And the Internet Archive has ways of borrowing books. And I have not done that yet, but I'm starting to because there are a lot of, I live in f literally four or maybe five places and I have books scattered all over the place. And I don't like Kindle that much in part because I feel like I'm just renting the damn thing and it's not really mm -hmm. mine. Also, I don't read it as well. I, I much prefer a physical book, but a virtual one you can page through because you borrowed it, um, I really like. And and the idea that you return it within a, a given amount of time. So what the Internet Archive has done is kind of replicated the experience of having a library. And it is a library. It characterizes And libraries itself. do this too. I mean, that's And libraries do know. this. You know, libraries so, are, are actively lending ebooks and they have been for quite some time. Yeah. And so the collateral damage here for of this lawsuit, should it should it uh, succeed is that it kind of, as I understand it anyway, or as I am told, I should say, kind of puts libraries out of, out of business. They're, you know, they, in a way, what, what publishers want to do, recognizing that we now live in a digital world is bring their, you know, maximize their control over how you, how you use um, what they publish. A similar thing has already happened in the, in the recording world um, where, you know, we don't own music anymore. We haven't owned it for a long time. We've never really owned it the way we thought we did. We own containers for it. 
and have thrown away those containers, the CDs and 78s and 33s and 45s, and, or put them aside. And, um, and instead, we, we just go to a subscription service like uh, Amazon or Apple or Spotify and, and listen to the music there. Um, and, you know, because you pay part of your subscription fee goes to pay those artists and those publishers and tiny, tiny, tiny amounts of money. And in fact, I have a workaround for that, or I and my colleagues have a workaround for that, but nobody's paid attention to it so far. So it's probably not even worth bringing up here. But, but the idea of ownership is, is you could do it in the physical world and in the digital world, the big question is whether or not the giants can, you know, the giant sources of goods can have their way and reduce our ownership merely to um, a rentier economy where we're just basically renting things for periods of time. I mean, rent it from them or from their, you know, their representatives and not really, for, the, for example, the libraries of the world. So that's sort of how I see it. And I invite pushback on that because I may be full of it too. Well, this you know, there there are a lot of there are a lot of things you know to consider here. So, the there are there is the free lending model for that you would you would get at a public library or something like the 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 Internet Archive. But there are also other lending models that are based on subscriptions, as you mentioned. Um, Amazon, for example, will have some sort of it has an unlimited program where you can check out and, and return books, but you, it's part of your your subscription fee. But you can borrow. And they lend, um, but the mm. publishers don't have a problem with that because they're, you know, they maybe get a half a cent for every time you, you, you do it based on some royalty agreement. I actually have no idea. And then you also have, you know, corporate libraries uh, will have agreements with publishers mm -hmm. um, to access those things on a in if in a in that type of library, and they again pay for the privilege. But somehow. That has worked out to the publisher's advantage in a way that, that they are comfortable with, but yet the free <clears throat> public library lending model that we've all, well, most, some, some of us, I guess, depending on our age, have grown up with and, and accepted for, you know, how, how many, how many uh, millennia, I guess, have there been, have there been libraries? Yeah, um, yeah. at least since uh, Alexandria, right? Right. So, it, it, yeah, it's just... Um, the the thing that that gets me is that I thought, well, okay, you know, maybe I could I could see an argument if the Internet Archive was saying, okay, well, we purchased a single copy of a book and we're lending it out over and over over again, and you know, concurrently to a hundred people at the same time. That's okay, fine. I can see I can see the complaint there, but um, from what I read, in my understanding is that it is the exact same model as a print copy. They are lending one to one. It can only be checked out one at a time. Just like right. uh, you know, right. just like the uh, the the big heavy heavy uh, printed books. So so that to me that that just should that should dismiss this argument immediately. I don't, I don't even understand what the what the what the controversy is. Why why does it matter what format it's in if you are lending it on a uh, individual basis? Well, it's it's about licensing, and and I, I think the idea is that as physical books diminish or go away we have ebooks and ebooks are are licensed essentially uh, something that amazon kind of invented um uh in its way of moving fast and breaking things um when they came up with the kindle approach um but there's so many things at play i mean I, when you think of the way books are used um 
you know, you have, uh, you don't use them constantly. You know, you use them for a period of time and then you store them if you have them. And if you don't store them, you, you know, you, you have them at a library. Um, and those are limited. I mean, I, I, I remember when I did, when I moved from one place to another in a city, I won't name because I don't want to shame them. Um, I gave them a bunch of books and a, a complete collection of a really great magazine called The Sun that I, I wrote for once in May again. I don't know, but it's a really sweet magazine out of North Carolina. And I was, you know, told, oh, great, we'll have this. And then I went back to check on it. They've gotten rid of it. <laughs> it's gone, you know. So that was not in that library. Um, it's online and you, the sun has it and they let you you look look at parts of it. But um, the, the, the whole the whole notion of, I mean, I, I guess, I mean, this is a way of looking at it. I don't know if it's the only way of looking at it. I don't think paper books go away. I think the advantage of a paper book and the way it works is something that has stood for hundreds of years for a good reason. And a, a, and I don't think that goes away, but more and more of our reading is going to be electronic. And we need to choose rather carefully what we preserve of semblance to the paper world in the electronic world. And I think the Internet, Internet Archive has done an extraordinarily conscientious um, job of thinking through how that ought to work. And these guys from the big publishers coming at them is really pretty nasty, basically. You know, they're, they're not part of that. They, you know, kind of like the record industry was. Like, we're just going to, we're just going to hammer you guys and you lose. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. the way it looks to me anyway. Yeah. And I, you know, it's, uh, there, there, there are more, there's more to it too, from my reading. And it's, you know, it's not just the fact that they're going after the idea of lending content. It's also the fact that they're doing it at a time when there is, um, I think, I think an increased concern about publishing monopolies, you know, larger mm -hmm. companies are gobbling up the smaller ones as you know, that's nothing new, but, but, um, but I think I think there have been a few particularly noteworthy ones. Maybe I can pull some of those up really quickly. But but uh, yeah, it's 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 certainly troubling. And when, what is this really? You know, what is this going to mean long term? I, that, I think that's obviously why we're we're talking about it, and a lot of people are talking about it. I understand you were you were in on a an, a Berkman Center conversation, and well, I I, I mean, it's I watched some of it. <laughs> I wasn't in it. <laughs> well, okay. In yeah. on it, receiving yeah. the information. I would love to point to it. We could point the, to where uh, it was, not where yeah. it will be, because the recording isn't up yet. It's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of scanning as we're talking through, you know, what the Internet Archive's argument is. And, of course, it's, you know, 40-some pages of stuff, you know, they've put together with the EFF. I mean, the, uh, this is an ad hominem argument on my part, but I generally believe almost everything that EFF is for is good. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I actually, I tend to, just, I, I tend to, uh, I it's easier. <laughs> it's easier um, to just accept yeah, that, that I mean, they, they, they have a great track record. So when yeah, I, when I see that people. they're concerned about something, I, I, I raise my own yeah. in, internal red flag, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and when, when something as, uh, sweet, gracious, and well-meaning, and conscientious, and thoughtful, and careful as the Internet Archive um, gets hammered by, you know, 
a bunch of tall buildings um, filled with lawyers, that's, you know, that makes you want to rise to the defense of the defendant. And that's sort of yeah. how I'm yeah. feeling about it right now. And, and libraries in general, because that's part of, that's part of the, the you know, the, as I understand it anyway, the collateral damage here is going to be to libraries. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, and as we knew we, them. We, we don't, as a culture, need to get any dumber. I mean, <laughs> you know, we that's gotta protect great, the libraries. That's a great, that's a great, that's a great one line. One line yeah. I mean, it's, it's already, oh gosh, I watched a, the most horrible video by some idiot preaching, literally preaching, I think it was a religious thing, that, uh, you know, the COVID vaccine, explaining to everybody how you were being injected with some substance that was going to um, connect you to the internet of things and oh, wow. uh, something about 5G signals and somehow they throw in, threw in AI in there. So I'm like, oh, all they, you know, the most interesting topics in technology all yeah. in a single shot. Cool. Anything uh, if only I could learn about SB. those by injecting them. I don't know. Yeah, um, Bill, Bill Gates and George Soros and, uh, you know. Yeah, exactly. That. So um, I don't, you know, yeah. I, th I think education uh, definitely needs to be, edu education via public libraries is something we need to pre preserve lest any more people start to believe that crap. But and, yeah, and, <laughs> anyway. And I'm, yeah, I, and I'm sure you are too. I mean, I'm, I have, you know, my own education. I was not good in school, but I went to the library all the time. Yeah. You know, in the little town, little suburb, it wasn't, you know. Yeah, it was that's what you, that's a, what you a do. A small the rectangle summer. of New Jersey that was, you know, uh, called Maywood. But they had a, they had this Victorian house that was the library. And then later that was replaced by something that looked more normal and modern. But, um, you know, I'd go by there almost every day. I mean, that, and I'd borrow stuff from there and I'd bring it back. And for that matter, the school library, you know. Um, I remember the name of the, the, the librarian, Mrs. Hunter, you know, oh, she wow. was the librarian in our, you know, this is our grade school through junior high. You know, they were, you know, they lived one street over. My mother also taught in the same school system and I had a crush on her daughter too, by the way. So there's all, <laughs> I remember there are monomics involved here, but the, you know, that's what, um, it's a huge part of my life. And and even here, like I'm in, I'm in Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, um, we made a decision yesterday, actually, to like become members of the Monroe County Public Library System because we want to, and we're finding out an awful lot of good things happen there, um, just like we are, you know, in Santa Barbara and New York, and we were in Boston as part of the Minuteman Public Library System there, mm -hmm. and they're all kind of tied together. Um, it's just, you know, I mean. We, what cultural institutions do we wish to preserve and in what ways? I mean, yeah. there's some things that I, I mean, you and I have talked about this before, but, um, you know, I'm busy, you know, the, the internet, basically the internet and digital technology have, have obsolesced so many things. Um, I'm, I've, I've been watching is photography, you know, uh, cameras, you know, big cameras get replaced by by uh, by phones, you know, vacuum tube TVs get replaced by flat screens, um, you know, and radio is just something beloved by me is being eaten by by podcasting on one side and and streaming on the other, and and it's 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 a waste. It's some degrees it's a wasteland now, or it's it's being wasted. And but what do we want to save? You know, what what do we save of this? And you know, I, I think I think libraries are are crucial. We've lost newspapers for the most part. Newspapers really are an anachronism. 
and probably, you know, the reference section of sections of libraries, which, um, you know, where the archives are now all, they were microfilm. Now they're, they're other forms of, of, um, digital recollections. Um, but they don't, but even those don't touch the originals. I mean, the, the New York times, for example, I used to love going into the, um, William Round Wilson Library at the University of North Carolina, where the stacks had bound two weeks of the New York Times, bound in these giant, heavy um, things. They they were the size of the New York Times. I mean, they were gigantic. All the advertising sections in them, the magazine, all of it was bound in there. And this is back in the 70s that UNC threw all these away. And there was a recycling outfit before recycling was cool called ECOS, E-C-O-S, in Chapel Hill. One guy ran it and he brought all of these, you know, 40, 50 years worth of these things. They filled up half a house because uh, he didn't want to take them to the, to the dump. And I've got three of them in storage in North Carolina that are like from 1963. It didn't make sense to continue binding those. But if I, the New York Times has done a great job for subscribers anyway, of making that stuff available. But and it's in pretty high res, but it's very kind of monotonal. It doesn't look great. It looks okay, you know? So I don't know. I mean, we, you know, I, th- I think we need to save the institution. I guess that's where it goes. Yeah. And, and and the Internet Archive is at the front of it. Yeah. The, all, the other thing that occurs to me is um, I mentioned earlier the monopoly concerns, the acquisition concerns of so one of the things that strikes me is how bold this is right now, because um, apparently also the Justice Department is suing to uh, stop Penguin from Penguin Penguin Random House, which used to be two separate companies, if I recall correctly, uh, mm. from acquiring Simon and Schuster. So, so mm. they're already, you know, the, the publishers are already under under a microscope a bit. Uh, and and yet still, they're 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 taking this yeah. rather bold action, and that that's interesting. Like you know, it seems like an awfully uh, strange time to. But maybe that's part of the strategy. Maybe you just you know go full steam ahead into the into the brick wall and hope that you break through it. I don't I don't know. Yeah, well, it, you know, there's sort of two worldviews that you know. One is that there are many more than that, but there's sort of two we could typify one. One seeks to equalize everything by, you know, being fair and and kind and forgiving and and preserving of 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 culture and um and the other is kind of a might makes right and what's good for, what's good for business is good for America and what's good for big business is really best for America and and um you know I'm you know I'm. I'm worried that in November the latter will take over <laughs> and, and, and then we'll have another different, you know, or another, another round. We'll have a different justice department that would never go after big business. You know, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. And I'm trying not to make that too political because I think they're, I think business is good for the country. So, uh, yeah, I think a lot of the political know, yeah. left don't have any comprehension of it. So, that's um, fair. It's fair, but you know there is uh, something to be said for uh, uh, retaining more options. 
<laughs> in publishing. Yeah, I guess that's the way of putting it. And other industries. Well, it, yeah. it's kind of interesting. We, you know, I was in a conversation the other day about this that we're, I mean, uh, many years ago, John Updike, um, the great writer, is back in the 60s. He said, just offhandedly, we live in the age of full convenience. We mm. barely had copiers then and didn't have fax yet, I don't even think. Um, the internet wasn't even close. And now I don't think we live in the age of full convenience. We live in the age of immense optionality um, about a lot of things. But we don't have much optionality in in some, you know, these older cultural institutions, you know, like 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 libraries. I mean, I'm really afraid that we lose that. Having them in the world is a good thing. You know? Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's funny. I guess I'm dating myself, but yeah, I mean, it, it, as a kid, that's that it's it's what you did, and you know, especially, you know, I spent a summer in a in a small town with with uh, some relatives once, and then that's really what you did as a kid. You you go to the library because that's really the only interesting <laughs> thing there was to yeah. do. But and and it wasn't, and it there were there it was a it was a really good library because that it was long enough ago that you know they had a pretty fantastic selection. And, uh, you know, as a kid, you, you, you work through your, your very long reading list and you earned your gold stars and, <laughs> and you, uh, you expanded your brain, hopefully. I also see, yeah. like, um, our younger son, who's now 26, but when he was, starting when he was about six or seven, he just got into books and lived at libraries um, and lived in bookstores and consumed them nonstop the physical kind. Now, to be fair, when he got into his teens, he did a lot more reading on his phone. Like when we lived in Boston, there's a fantastic private library there called the Athenaeum. It's one of the oldest libraries. I think it's the largest private library in the country. You know, the better, way better part of a million um, volumes in it. A, a huge collection of archival stuff that's just amazing. And and they and they had a, like a reading club there. We'd go there, and he would go to that thing. And the result of that is he—I don't think he ever got less than a perfect verbal SAT score. And it's not because he's brilliant; it's because he's he steeped himself in books. Hmm. And it was the physical kind, you know that that matters. It matters a lot. It matters for our brains. And I—I I mean, obviously, humans were not evolved to read, or maybe they were, and we don't know it. Um, we don't have, you know. We know what some people painted in caves. We don't know what they wrote on paper or whatever served for paper way back when because it all rotted. But there's um, there's something about being a verbal species that requires that we're also writers and readers. And that's, you know, and and teachers and students. And we need to be all those things. And I think that's best done with physical things. Yeah. Because I'm an old guy. <laughs> this, yeah, well, I'm. I think I'm turning into an old woman because I'm. As you're talking, I'm reminiscing. I'm thinking about things that that maybe don't even happen anymore. I'm thinking about when I was in college and and researching. I was all you know. If I first of like art history and stuff like that, I was always always trying to research the most obscure thing with the most difficult to find sources. Right. So the hunting. I mean, I. It was computerized. I'm not. I at least had the benefit of being able to search databases with a computer, but uh, tracking down 
the, the most obscure sources and requesting them on interlibrary loan is right. it was a process. I don't know if I wonder if that happens still, like getting waiting potentially weeks for a hard copy of something with maybe photographs of uh, some objects of art that, that are you know hard hard to get a, hand, uh, a hold of or something like that. And the, the excitement of waiting for it and checking and coming back and getting your package that had this book from, mm-hmm. you know, some library across the country. Um, I don't know that that's an experience that uh, I, I would hate for people to miss out on, but I don't know if it's, if it's still relevant. I mean, surely there must be an occasion here and there for something that to find some old printed only uh, thing that hasn't been digitized or something. You know, I, I have no idea. I'm so out of I'm touch sure there's with a that lot kind of, of thing, but. Well, I've uh, looked for it. I mean, you know, so my father has a, I'm looking for it here. I have it. I think I may have it on a shelf here. Um, a book about um, the Roebling Company. The Roebling Company was the one that built uh, that built that made all of the cabling that's in suspension bridges for many years, including the George Washington Bridge, which he helped build as a as a cable rigger. You know, six hundred feet over the water hanging on to cables from Roebling. And it was a book about Roebling by Roebling that was self-published. And for as far as I know, I have the only one in existence. <laughs> you know, I've looked for it online. It's not there. So I have it, <laughs> you know, and maybe I should just send it to the Internet Archive. I wanted to give it to the uh, the museum in Fort Lee, New Jersey, which is where the George Washington Bridge is anchored on the New Jersey side. But they were closed through most of the pandemic and maybe even earlier so. It's probably better to just send it to the Internet Archive. They actually keep some of these things, I think. They don't just digitize them. I think they keep them. Um, I'll have to check on that. I really don't know. Maybe somebody from there will correct me on that. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I hope so. I hope they're keeping the things. So I'm wondering if we can tie this into uh, to something broader than just libraries. I mean, I wonder what else What else does this well, potentially impact? So there's a... Um, I'm I'm a, a fellow, they say, with the um, something small but significant, I think, called the Center for the Study, Study of Digital Life that starts with the premise that we live digital lives now and, and, um, and that this matters and deserves study. And they actually want to start an institute of higher education of some sort in a way, zero basing it on how we learn now um, versus the old way we did. But the main point there is that we really need to think about as much as we can. It's kind of like, this is a metaphor I came up with this morning, that, you know, in the physical, the physical world we're in is kind of like the watery world that all creatures were in before some of them got legs and lungs and crawled up on land. And and now they're on land and they have to figure this place out. <laughs> and that's kind of, to me, where we're at with the digital world. You know, we've been in, it's the water out of which we've started to crawl on our four legs into the digital world that we are not just experiencing, but we're also creating. What do we want to have from the, from the physical world? How, what do we want to keep there? How can the digital, what can we do in the digital world that'll help keep alive the things in the physical world that we actually treasure for good reason. You know, it's, it's a tough one, but I think to me, there's this, there's this transition point 
where we become digital as well as physical beings, but we never stop being physical. What no, do we do? There are, there are some things that just don't translate, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately. Yeah. But, well, as a collector of very old things, I, <laughs> I, uh, as a very old thing, I'll speak. Find that hard to, uh, to digitize, but yeah. Well, well, that's another thing too, is that if you look at time, um, you know, when you're young, I remember thinking old people were had been on Earth for like a thousand years, it looked like, you know, because they're old. And I am old now. And let me tell you, 75 years goes by really fast. I mean, it's time flies. Life is short. It really is short at its longest. It's short. And I mean, I try to find out things about, like my grandmother was born in 1882. She died in 1990. That's 108 years later. And she told all these stories about horse, horse-drawn everything in New York City, cobblestone streets, gas lights, um, the arrival of electricity, um, swimming in the Bronx in, the, in Long Island Sound, um, a world where, as a Catholic girl growing up, like half the women were nuns. I mean, it's all kinds of stuff. And when I go back and look at what her father did, he was the head of the steel and copper plating engravers union in new york and or at least worked there i don't know what his job was because of there's almost no record of this you know of him much less of that union what it did i just know that steel and copper plate engraving went away <laughs> it went away i'm not sure it was worth it saving or maybe there's still some of it you know but it, it ain't what it was and I'm not sure if you want to go back and make a movie about that time. You're going to, if you're going to even find a lot of the things that were parts of daily life back then. You know, yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's it's weird how you know in our short lives, we seem to be able to change a lot <laughs> pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, I uh, yeah, sorry, I'm looking around at all of my old crap that I'm sitting right next to. I guess. You can't see it. We're, we're we are yeah. on a video call, but it is not visible. Yeah, I could I could see you have properties. We have a whole cabinet full of <laughs> stuff right here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have a lot anyway. too, and I and there's a lot of dumped and, and and more I need to because I'm not taking it with me, and I have errors that have no interest in them. So, what do you keep? Where do you give it? It's a good question. You know. No museums of all of our. The things we I, leave behind. Well, there's there's what I what I might call the, and this actually applies, I think, to this particular issue. Um, it's the the line between stuff and shit, and this is what this is <laughs> yes. what George Carlin talked about, which is, have you ever noticed that your shit is stuff and everybody else's stuff is shit? And True. that's really what this lawsuit's about, in a way. It's kind of like. Once I'd saying what you're doing is shit and what we're doing is stuff. <laughs> and, and, you know, the other side is saying, no, we're doing, we're doing, what we're doing is stuff. And what you're doing to us is shit. And that's wrong. I, I, I sometimes it's wonder what, what, you know, people who like me like to collect, you know, old stuff. I wonder what it says about us. I, I you know, I, 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 there, I have a lot of thoughts. I had an art professor once that, you know, made the statement that all photography is about death. And it doesn't matter what it is, but it's all about death wow. because ultimately that's, you know, that's a moment in time and eventually everything in it is dead, um, which is very morbid, but wow, boy. not untrue. Uh, and, 
you know, and I've often I thought, well, maybe maybe we're just people who are obsessed with time, the idea of time and the passage of it. And we're having an existential crisis about, like you say, it, it flies by and, you know, I start to I'll blink and a week passes and I'll blink again and a year passes. And, it's, you know, and I wonder if, if, if it's our human need to grab a hold of it and slow it down, you know. I, I, I surround yeah. myself with things that are maybe old and obsolete, but occasionally beautiful. And and uh, maybe that's our way of kind of reaching in and, and slowing our own uh, perception of time down a bit. I don't know. It's a weird thing like, to think about. It, there's a, um, a, a, friend of, a friend of mine who's who has been a guest on our other podcast, Andre Kudra. He's very big. He's in Germany in the demo scene. The demo scene is doing stuff with old computers, as I understand it. I've never been to one, but it's a it's a happening thing, especially in Europe. I mean, bring out your Apple II, your Atari mm-hmm. twenty four hundred, your you know these old things, and hacking with them, doing doing stuff with them. Um, uh, th- th- they matter. I mean, I, I remember. I mean, what was it like to try to get an app, we call it now an app, we called them programs back then, into 48K. I, I, I worked with a, a guy on a, uh, on a blackjack counting program. They tried to get into 48K <laughs> and run on, and it ran first on the, on the Apple II. And then later, when, they, when the IBM PC came with 64K, they, oh, wow, great, we can write it in, I don't know what they were writing it then, in fourth or some, some language of the time and could get it into 64K, whatever it was. Um, and now that's just, you know, a nothing. <laughs> it's, it's, but it was, it was a working game, and it, and it, and it helped you count cards in, in Las Vegas or whatever. And I'm sure there's no way to run it now if you could fi- even find a floppy, a truly floppy. Those floppies really were floppy, you know, uh, the five-inch floppies, whatever they were. So I don't know. I mean... We're losing stuff all the time, you know, but. Hopefully not libraries. <laughs> hopefully not libraries. Which uh, is sorry, bringing it, bringing it back to the beginning. I bring really. It back, <laughs> bring it home. We've talked for about 37 yeah. minutes, I think. Of, That's uh, probably about, enough. Um, yeah. Close enough. I mean, what more is there to say about, hey, but maybe maybe we, we need those libraries. We do. Yeah. But, I'm you glad know. you sent sent the links at least because I, I'm glad to have been clued in. I had no idea this was going on until you, until you. <laughs> Sent me the link, so uh, you know. Uh, welcome. It's a momentary distraction. Well, I hope uh, cool. I will include all of these links in our uh, episode notes. I hope, uh, yeah. If you, whatever thoughts, if y'all are still listening, <laughs> whatever you have, <laughs> you know, so, way, yeah. yeah, whatever, whatever thoughts you have, uh, we would love to hear them. Um, you know, hey, and you know what? Support the EFF while we're. Well, we're on the Yeah, yeah, send some money to the EFF. Because somebody's got to defend these And the, these, and the Internet Archive. Things, you know, jeez. Yeah, and support the Internet Archive. Where would we be without them? Um, yeah, I couldn't reminisce about my, and, my and, poor uh, web design skills from 15 years ago without the <laughs> Internet Archive. So, hey, let's uh, I've kept those skills alive. <laughs> yep. Cool. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, and we'll see what we have for you next time. 